well, 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 well. Isn't it nice occasionally to be able to, as Mark put last week, have your soul quieted, to quiet your soul, yeah? And just to be able to hear the still, small voice. I I love the fact that God's always the still, small voice. (laughs) It's actually quite a revelation when you think with everything that goes on in our lives, no matter the noise that's around us, that God through his love can quiet our souls to a place where we have peace. You know? Yeah, have you ever met those people where in situations in their life you'd think, man, if I was them, I'd be going crazy. You know, you ever met people that are just so at peace in the situation that they find themselves in that it doesn't make sense? You know, maybe I'm the only one who's met those people, but they're around. They're normally Christians because God has just quieted their soul. He's brought peace. He's brought renewal. Yeah? Um, And I think that's just outstanding that we as Christians can get so busy and so hectic and life can be so loud, but there are still times that he quiets our soul so that we can hear him. And when we hear him, that's just outstanding, isn't it? When you hear God, you know, like we're blown away when we grab a picture, hear a word, when we hear him. But he wants to do that all the time, 24 hours a day. Um, And I reckon that's pretty exciting. (laughs) Ah, it's exciting. But life happens, doesn't it? Who knows that life happens? Does life happen? Stuff grabs our attention. Like reversing into your wife's car during the week. You know, stuff... Yeah, there should have been a better reaction than that, let me tell you. Stuff grabs your attention. Just not the front end of her car that was in the way. Relationships, don't they? Husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend... Children, friends, relationships. There's just stuff in life that grabs our attention. Work grabs our attention. We get up every morning, got to get to work on time. We've got jobs to do. School grabs our attention. We've got assignments to do. We've got tests to study for. Sport grabs our attention. We've got to train. We've got to lose weight. We've got to be in peak physical condition. We should be able to play washboard abs, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like all of that stuff grabs our attention. And then just when you Sit down to relax. Oh, here it comes. It's the bill. It's the expense. It's electricity. It's telephone. It's gas. Oh, water rates. Forgot about that one. Oh, I missed that payment. Like, life just happens. It just happens. And it grabs your attention over and over again. And in fact, it probably the list goes on and on and on and on and on, doesn't it? Like, it just does. And I reckon in the midst of being, and this isn't the right word, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway, but in the midst of being wooed and consumed by life, yeah, and all the stuff that goes with it and the noise that all that stuff brings, sometimes we can just miss Daddy. We can just miss Father God. We can just miss those moments where he wants to whisper with his still small voice. And peace feels like it's left you. You've got peace because we've got God, but we're not peaceful in every situation, you know? And even though we call ourselves Christians and we're walking with him and we're stopping to read and pray and we're doing those things which are all great things, somehow in the midst of it all, 
We seem to have missed it. That still small voice. You know, I reckon often the things that, that are constantly happening in our lives are opportunities to display God to those around us. When you think about it, yeah? Everything that happens in our life, from the moment that you wake up and you spend time with your children and your loved one, from the moment that you jump into your car and you go to the servo because you need petrol or diesel or gas, or when you go to Woolworths or you go to work and you're dealing with all of those things, are opportunities to display God to those that are around us, each and every one of them. There's a chance for us, for you and I, to be like Jesus. Like, I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting and it's really quite daunting and sobering all at the same time that, hey, you and I can be like Jesus. The Bible, unfortunately for all of us, tells us that we're going to do even greater things than he did. Now, I know we read that. I know we accept that verbally. But I don't know how often we actually go out and live that every day, yeah? And every moment in everything that we do. But to be like Jesus isn't to be like Jesus in moments. It's to be like Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's every moment of every day. He never stopped and he was never not displaying God's goodness and greatness and grace in the time that he was on earth, did he? That was him. And we're supposed to be greater than that because the fullness of God lives inside of us. So I just think sometimes when life happens, when all that stuff happens, when the busyness of living in those moments happen, I think we miss the opportunity they present. I just think we miss it. We just, just, we just miss it. Today I want to look at a scripture that I think should inspire us. I actually think it'll challenge some of us too, yeah? But it should propel us to be more like Jesus. And at the end of the day, I think that we should be living lives that are an example of our loving Father to those that are around us. Amen. How else will they know who God is unless they discover him through us? Yeah. And that means inside of church and outside of church. So, Bibles, if you've got them, let's turn to Acts. Now, for those that are wondering, uh, Melanie's out in kids' church. Uh, and so is Trevor and Adria. So we want to thank, for those that are, are, are guests with us today and those that are part of the house and don't know, we've got a whole bunch of parents that are on our Kids Church roster um, for Shine and we're looking for more parents to be part of the roster for Little Stars as well because who knows that we're a family? Yeah, we're a family. And who knows that as a family you do things together? I don't know, how, I don't know exactly how your family works, but what I can say is this. When we go to a Christmas lunch, yeah, regardless of if there's 10 of us or 12 of us or 30 of us, each and every one of us has a role to play. We all have a food that we bring to consume and other foods to devour. Yeah, makes sense? You know, so it's not anyone that's free. We're all part of this together so we can celebrate together. That's what we do as a family over Christmas. And you get the phone calls months out. We need you to grab four chickens. Can you bring a, you know, a cheese platter? Can you, get, can you get your wife to make this cake? And it's all on for young and old, you know? Church life is like that. It's not just one or two that bring the food so that we can feast. It's all of us together. 
So I'll just share that. If you see the odd parent that's not in here or someone that you know that's not in here, it's probably because they're volunteering out in Kids Church. And I also say that to say, hey, you know what? There are opportunities for all of us to get involved. So if you're not and you'd like to be, we would love you to be. If you're not and you don't want to be, we would love you to be. Yeah? At the end of the day, we want you to be part of family, yeah? Because that's how family works. And together we carry the load. Together we carry the burden. One person might not be able to pick up the log, but two together can carry it quite easily, yeah? Amen? Anyway, that was for free. Acts chapter 3, we're going to, look at, we're going to jump in at verse 1. So we've got uh, 10 verses to read here. It'll be up on the screen as well. But Acts 3 verse 1. And it reads, are you ready? Yeah? My, vocal, my vocalists are out the back. So I need someone to step up in, in vocally. So is everybody ready? Yeah. yeah, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm sh- that, keep that, that momentum up. Is that all right? Now, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple... A man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard heard him praising God. When they realised he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. I'd be astounded too, wouldn't you? Like, seriously. So there's a couple of things, three things I reckon, but there's a few things that that I think Father God wants to teach us. And the first is this. The first three verses of Acts, chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock service, yeah? Prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, the next verse says, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people. Here's my question. How often was he at the temple gate? Every day. Now, here's my next question. How did he get to the temple gate? He was carried. Now, this will test you theologians. You ready? What was the person's name that carried him? Anyone else? It doesn't say... Bingo! We don't know. It doesn't say. So go with me here. It was just someone. It was just someone. Yeah? It was just someone. He he wasn't a somebody. He or she, their their name, it's not even mentioned. We don't have a name for them. Yet every day, someone carried the cripple right up to the temple. Every day, someone carried the cripple right up to the place where they worshipped God. Every day. Now, I want to say this. Our Christianity is not about fame or fortune, yeah? It's not about being famous across the globe for all the miraculous things that God's doing through you. It's not about that. 
It's about making God's name known, yeah? It's about making his name great. It's about living a life that brings glory for him. So go with me here. Every day, someone carried the cripple to the temple. Every day, someone carried him to the house of God, yeah? Someone. Every day, someone carried him to where the presence of God was. Every day. Every day someone brought him to where he could discover the presence of God. And it was in that place that he got his healing, yeah? It was in that place that he was set free. It was in that place that he discovered God's love for him, in that place. Because someone carried him. Now, some of you know, most of you should, some won't, that I, I and a group of us, we do Red Frogs. Red Frogs is an outreach into local high schools, during schoolies, and into universities. And I was asked recently at a board meeting why I do Red Frogs. Now, my answer was really simple at the time. It was because I love it. It rocks my world, floats my boat. It's what I like to do. Now, the Red Frog mantra is to serve a generation to win a generation. That's what it's about. Nothing else. Serve a generation to win a generation. So... Oh, let me fill, fill in some blanks here. Why do we do red frogs? Or what do we do when we do red frogs is probably a better way to put it. It's really easy. When someone's throwing up, we go up and we hold their hair out of the way. And we hold the bucket or the bag while they're throwing up to make sure they're okay. Yeah? For others that are really intoxicated and they could have alcohol poisoning or on drugs, we may get them to the hospital. We might get drug and alcohol workers to come alongside us. We may walk others home. We might give them a bus trip home to make sure they're not trying to drive or do anything ridiculous, yeah? What else do we do? We go into residential units or during schoolies week and we cook pancakes or we organise a barbecue and, and we feed them. We do things like that. Often we've got people that are on our shoulder crying because their friend is so wasted that they're beside themselves that they don't know what to do. We're just there to serve a generation, to win a generation. That's, that's what we do. We let them cry on our shoulder. We counsel them. We're, we're, we're in a sense, the someone, yeah? The someone. Because I said earlier that often the things that are constantly happening in our lives are opportunities to display God to those that are around us. Yeah, They're opportunities. They're a chance for us to be someone. But not a somebody. A someone like Jesus. But unfortunately, we just get so busy doing stuff, and this can happen even with red frogs, that we miss the opportunity that those things present. What opportunity? To answer that, I've got to answer the question that I was asked at the board meeting all over again. So why do I do red frogs? Well, that's simple. Because every time we hold back someone's hair and they're throwing up everywhere, we're carrying them to the temple. Every time we walk someone home or give them a bus ride home, we're carrying them to the temple. Every time we're making pancakes in the middle of the night, so there's less room in their stomachs for them to drink, we're carrying someone to the temple. Every time someone comes alongside us and cries on our shoulder not knowing what to do because of their friends, we're carrying them to the temple. Why do I and why do we do red frogs? 
Because we're carrying people to a place where the presence of God is, to a place where they can discover Jesus, to a place where they can discover the love, the enormous love that God has for them. Yeah? A place where they can get healed. A place where they can get set free. Because every time we serve, that's all of us, every time we serve, there's an opportunity to carry someone to the temple gates. Every time we serve, there's an opportunity to carry someone into the house of God. Don't think of the house of God as the four walls. Every time we serve, there's an opportunity to bring someone, a person, to the place where the presence of God is and they can receive their healing. I don't know if anyone's getting this today. See, in that passage of Scripture, that unknown person, someone knew that. Someone knew what I just shared. That person understood that secret. That nameless hero knew it. He carried the cripple every day. There's a quote by John Bevere, and it says, Jesus didn't say, whoever desires to lose his life for my sake will find it. What he did say was, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Even to be a someone is a choice. Even to be a someone is a choice. So are you and I, are we so caught up in the busyness of life that we've missed what we're really doing? That we've missed the opportunity, we've missed the privilege. Have we missed it because we're so caught up? You know, when you go to work and you're helping out a colleague, do you, just, do you see that as work? That's just something that you do because you're at work? Or do you see yourself as carrying that person to the temple gates, to the place of his presence, the place where they can discover and find Papa's love? You know, when you're at work and you're helping a customer, it could be in hospitality, it could be in retail, are you just helping that customer because that's your duty? Or can you see that you're helping to carry that person to the temple gate? You know, what do you see? When you're at school and you're, you're having a deep, meaningful discussion with one of your buddies, one of those D&Ms, are you just seeing it as a D&M because you're with your friends, because you're at school and that's what you do because they're your mate? Or do you see it as the real opportunity and privilege that you have to carry that person to where the presence of God is, where they may be healed and set free one day? Because someone carried the cripple every day, Yeah. What do you see? What do you see? You know, I titled this message, It's Time, because we've been talking all year about it's time. It's time to cross over. It's time to move on. It's time to not get stuck. It's time for us as a people, as God's people, to see, to see who we are, to see what we carry, to see what we can do. Or are we so caught up in life and the busyness of it all and going through the routines that we don't see? You know, we need to get to that place where we see every situation, every circumstance, every moment as an opportunity to be someone who's carrying another to the presence of God, to the temple gate. Every opportunity. Man, if it was just about holding back the hair so bits of vomit don't get stuck in there and that's what happens, man, then I don't think any of us would do it. I don't think Gary would be interested. I don't think Luke would want to do it anymore either. But it's more than that. It's because we've learned 
that we serve a generation to win a generation, we carry that person to the temple gate. We carry that person to the house of God, its people. And we carry that person to a place where they can discover the love of the Father, be healed, set free, made brand new. Every day someone carried the crippled man to the temple. Every day someone made the effort. Every day someone put up with the complaining of the crippled man. Every day someone did what they did because they, can, they could see what they were doing. They carried the crippled to a place of freedom. I heard a pastor say recently, he said, I'm going to name, my wife won't let me, but I want to name my son someone. So when stuff happens, I can say, someone did it. Who took the rubbish out? Someone did. Who didn't do that? Someone did. You know, you've got to see the irony in it. Someone did it. A nameless person. You know, God wants to manifest his presence through you and I. He wants to manifest his presence through us. We are his chosen method for revealing himself to a lost and dying world. There are no other plans. That's his plan. That's why he chose us. That's why he fills us. That's why he saves us. So that he can use us in a good way and not use like the world uses. So that through us, we are his hands and his feet extended to a lost and a dying world. That's his plan. Man, that plan is so big that if we were to sit with the reality of that, that he wants to manifest his presence through us, we could probably just sit and delve and dwell on that and flesh that out for hours. Days, probably. See, God's given us all that we need to build his kingdom in and outside of the church. All that he's given us. He's given us everything we need to build his kingdom in and outside of the church. Now, every time... Someone shakes a hand at the front door of church. They're not just shaking a hand. You may have received that handshake today or that kiss. But they're not just shaking a hand. They're just not giving you a kiss. I'll tell you what they're doing. That act is carrying a person to the place where they can receive their healing. That act is carrying that person to the temple gate. Every time someone comes through and serves communion or, t- you know, or does the offering or, d- you know, or, or, or if you're like some of the others that get all the, the cups and, and, the, and the biscuits broken, it's not just the role they do. It's not just the duty that they have for the day. They're actually carrying people to the presence of God. They're actually carrying, because that's the opportunity and privilege we have. They're actually making it easy. They're carrying someone to a place where they can receive Jesus. If we could just grab hold of our whole life and everything that we do and not do, but see it in the way that we should, then we would probably be doing more because it would no longer be a burden or a hassle because it's all an opportunity and privilege to carry someone to the presence of God, yeah? It's not a hassle to stop on the side of the road when it's raining and someone's got a flat tyre. I'm telling you that it's not. You stop and you help. And you know what you've done? You've brought that person to a place where they may discover Jesus. He was being brought to the temple every day. Every day for his whole entire life. And then one day, bang, he gets healed. Because someone saw the opportunity to carry him to the temple every day. Every time someone helps... If we're talking church life in kids' church or, you know, in cleaning 
or, or setting up the coffee or tea or, or, or straightening the chairs or picking up papers, whatever it might be, any of that. It's not just a job. We're actually carrying people to the temple gate. So do you see just what you're doing or do you actually see yourself carrying people? You know, the next part of the scripture is really good. I like the next part. I like them all. So in verse 3 of Acts 3, it reads, When he, the cripple, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man, uh, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, get up and walk. And there's a couple of things just in this passage alone. You know, and I've shared before from this passage, I've read it many times, but the cripple sees Peter and John coming. Yeah, So just, I need a, a couple of volunteers. Can you be a volunteer? Do you mind being a volunteer? Ben, do you mind being a volunteer? And Matt? Come on, I'm just grabbing the guys because who, who wants to be the cripple? Actually, oh no, I'm going to go with him because he's got no shoes. He looks like a cripple. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So you probably need to sit like you can't walk. Okay. Now, the scripture says that Peter and John, which you can, you can decide which you want to be, yeah? So Peter and John are walking toward him. They're walking toward the cripple. Now, the cripple sees them, yeah? So start walking just really, really slow. And then you see them. You can see them. And as they get closer, you start begging for money. So go for it, beg. Do you want a microphone? No, no, that's not, that's not begging. There were so many beggars that day, they would have walked right past you. You're begging. You've got to beg. You've got to do it good. How do you beg? Man, yeah, come on. <laughs> Pretend you want money from your mum and dad. Come, come yell out, money, please, help. I want dollars. Yeah, so he's looking at them. He's looking at them. <laughs> Does anyone want to throw money at you? Anyway, so here they are. They're getting closer and closer. Now, I love what the scripture says because it says that Peter and John, because he's begging, because they're almost at the temple, yeah? It says that they look at him intently. So look with intent. Now, that's not intent. You've got more intense, intently. <laughs> right? And then this is the part that always bewilders me, yeah? He's looking at them begging. They're looking at him intently. And then Peter says, you can be Peter because you've got a beard. So, and Peter says, look at us. But what was he doing already? He was looking at them. Thank you. Can you give these guys a, a clap? Thank you, oh bigger. <laughs> He's already looking at them. And Peter says, look at us. Man, that, that used to do my head in. He said, look at us. Look at us. Now, I've read this passage so many times, but I think I really believe God, God showed me something new. And it's this. We can often be looking at God and to God, but we're not focused on God. We can often be crying out to him, but we're not looking to him really for the answer. The beggar was saying, give me money, give me money. But P Peter and John within themselves, within their spirit, knew something more. And it was like, dude, you're looking at us, but you're not looking at us. Look at us. We've got something that we want to give. And I think so many times in our Christian life, 
And I think the longer, sometimes the longer that we've been a Christian, the easier it is to fall into this place and space is that we look at God and we look at God, but we're not focused on Him. There's a familiarity, almost like children at home. When they really wanted money once, man, the show that they put on to get that $5 was awesome. But now they almost expect it. Mum, is there money in your purse? Can I just grab it? You know, it's changed. It's changed and sometimes our relationship has changed. I wonder how often we're looking to God but we don't really see him. You know, I wonder how often our eyes are on Papa but our attention is somewhere else. You know, I wonder how often we're so caught up in the busyness and strife of life that we completely miss him. And I wonder how many of us today need to hear Daddy say, Hey, Andrew, whoever, look at me. Over here. How many times have we looked for him to help with our relationships? But we missed it. He was saying, hey, I'm over here. Look here. How many times have we looked at him in stressful situations only to find we're still stressed? Because we didn't see him when we were looking to him. How many times have we looked to him for our healing and we're more focused on our problem than on him. And all the while, Father God, Daddy's just saying, hey, I'm over here. I'm the focus. I just think he does it all the time. I think he says, hey, Andrew, I'm over here. Hey, Scott, I'm over here. Ali, I'm over here. Barry, Jan, I'm over here. We're looking to him. We're praying to him. We're believing in him. But we're not focused sometimes. And he's saying, hey, I'm over here. The other thing that he shows in that scripture is a crippled man begged and asked for money. And Peter and John grab his attention, as we just saw. Because verse 6 says, But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. See, Peter and John didn't give him any money. They, they heal him. They heal him. So, so here's, here's what I feel was the revelation that God gave to me in that. The crippled man actually didn't know what he needed. The crippled man didn't know what he needed. He asked for money. He asked for what he thought he needed. But Peter and John had other ideas. They gave him what he really needed. So he needed healing. And I want to suggest that I think often for some of us, many of us, I don't think we really know what we need. Yeah? I think sometimes we just don't really know what we need. That crippled man thought he knew what he needed. He, made, he was begging for it. Well, our beggar could have begged a bit better, but you know. But he was begging for it. I can only hope and pray that that in the hour of our need, when we're asking what we think we need, that there's a man or woman of God in our life that's in tune with the Spirit that will look past what they hear to give us what we really need. Yeah? And that's tough in itself because sometimes we don't want to get what they're giving us. He just got healed. He was happy. He was running and jumping and screaming. I wonder if he thought for a moment, oh, I'm not going to get any more money, you know? I just hope that in our hour of need, there's a man or woman in God, of God that's in tune with the Spirit, that they, 
They won't, won't be stuck on what they hear, but they'll be so sensitive to God that they'll give us what we really need. You know, as Christians, it's our job to help people back to Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's your job to help people back to Jesus. Doesn't the Bible say, better to tie a millstone around your neck and cast yourself into the deepest depths of the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble? Hey? There's a responsibility on us on how we live, yeah? I know that we're children of God and we don't have to do anything for that, but there is a responsibility on how we live because people are looking. As Christians, it's our role to help others through their offence and to help them get back and focused with Daddy. You know, as Christians, it's we who are to carry the people to the temple, into the church, where they can find his presence and be healed. You know, we may not be the best in giving financial advice to people, but we can point them back to Jesus, yeah? We might not be the best marriage counsellors out there, but we can point people back to Jesus. You know, we may not have the best parental advice. I certainly have made a few mistakes, but I can point people back to Jesus. No matter how people come to us with their aches and pains, when they leave us, we should have been able to carry them to the temple gate, to a place where they can discover the love of the Father, to a place where they can receive healing from Daddy. You know, Peter and John are in tune. They're sensitive to the Spirit. And they were on their way to worship God. It wasn't like they, were, it wasn't like they, they, they had decided, hey, you know what? On the way to the temple, there's that crippled man. You know him. He's got that long hair, wears a beanie, holes in his jeans. You've seen him before, yeah? So when we get there, man, you know what? We're going to fix him. They had no intention whatsoever. They were actually just on their way to worship God. They were just doing everyday life. And he caught their eye and they asked for his. While they're on the way to worship God, they unleash God on this poor crippled man. He didn't know what was coming. He didn't know. He was about to run and jump and scream. He had no idea. But they got there and they just unleashed. They just let flow what was inside of them, the fullness of the living God. You've got to remember Acts chapter 2, we're talking Pentecost, yeah? We're talking the whole kitten caboodle, the whole, whole wham bam, people baptised in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, I don't know where the crowd is. There's no crowd, but you've got Peter and John going to worship at the temple and they meet this beggar and all they do is unleash what's already inside of them. You have to love the scripture that says in John 5.19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Peter and John had no other alternative. Do you understand? That if they were to give him money, they were working out of their own, their own inner beliefs. But what they did was they tapped into Father God and they tapped into Father and said, Lord, what would you have us do? Well, there's no sickness in heaven. I figure we heal the kid. So they heal him. They had no other choice, no other alternative. You and I can only do what we see the Father do. You know, so often people come to us like the crippled man and they ask us for what they think they need. You've got to hear this, church, because really... People in society, in community, should be looking to us. 
not for the same wisdom that they can already get, but for godly wisdom and a godly encounter because we carry them to the temple gate. Yeah? They often come to us asking us for what they think they need, but this is where you and I get to be more like Jesus. You know, from glory to glory, strength to strength, we get to do what we see the Father do. And you know what? When someone's had an encounter with Father God, with Daddy, with Papa, I'm telling you, their life will never be the same again, ever, 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 never again. We are his children. You and I, we're heirs and co-heirs, citizens of heaven. Do you get it? Citizens of heaven adopted into his family. The, the Bible says that he's placed eternity in our hearts. So every time you and I speak to someone, this is how easy it is to carry someone to the temple gates. Every time we speak, we release eternity because from the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks, yeah? You and I, you've got to believe this. We're the game changers. We're the atmosphere shifters. We're the, we're the culture breakers. No one else. You, the person on your left, the person on the right, the person in front of you, behind you. We who carry the fullness of God inside of us. We are the atmosphere changers and the culture breakers. We're the ones that are going to shift and change the world. No, Father God is our dad. So when people meet us, I don't know about you, they meet him. I know often you, you're watching movies, and I'm hoping, I'm believing this in life too, because I'm sure particularly with Faith, she's petrified to bring someone home for fear that they will meet me, yeah? And so they should fear and tremble, you know? I should put it out there. But when people meet us, they're meeting Father God. They're meeting the creator of the universe because his fullness is inside of us. How can we not be people that carry others to the temple gate? You know, remember, with God as our dad, we're not just someone, like the someone that carried the cripple. We're a special someone. We are a special someone because God's our dad. You know, I said earlier, God gave us all that we need to build his kingdom both inside and outside the church. And God wants to manifest his presence through us. You know, someone carrying the crippled man, that someone, he just did it. Peter and John healing the crippled man, they just did it. It wasn't their job. It wasn't what they were assigned to do. It was their choice because even to be a someone is a choice and it's choices, not chances that determine our destiny. Yeah? It wasn't their paid vocation. It wasn't their job. It's just what flowed out from them naturally as sons and daughters of the living God, if you know what I mean. There's someone else that's just like that. And I want to finish with this, with this passage of Scripture. And I've shared it before, but in a different context. And it's Numbers 25 from verse 1. And I really hope and pray as a church, as a people myself, that we can grab hold of this truth because I think we'll live different. But Numbers 25 verse 1 says, While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. Verse 4, the Lord issued the following command to Moses, seize all the ringleaders and execute them. 
before the Lord in broad daylight. So his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshipping Baal of Peor. The situation itself, I just want you to grab hold of the fact that there was something that God didn't like. Yeah. Just then, so you've got to understand, they're in a, a service like this with thousands and hundreds of thousands, yeah? They're in a, and Moses is talking, sharing God's heart, yeah? And so now from the back of the tent, because they, you know, the back of the tent of meeting, this guy comes in. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman. Just what Moses was saying not to do, yeah? Because God doesn't like it. He wants to wipe you all out. Brings a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the temple. People were already crying because they've, they've grabbed hold of God's heart, yeah? When Phineas, son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phineas thrust the spear. Oh, mate, this is graphic, isn't it? This is a good church service. Phineas gets up, he thrusts the spear all the way through the man's body. So if he was like me or Pastor Mark last week, it was an exceptionally long spear. Yeah, And he thrusts it all the way through the man's body into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I'm making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel by making them right with me. Man, this is one of my favourite passages of scripture because I see it play out. You know, I can see the pictures. I can see the crowd. I could, don't worry about the movie Risen. That'll be awesome. But I could see this in a movie. You know, could you imagine? You know, the whole Ben-Hur set up, hundreds and thousands of people and some guy that's built like me walking through to take, you know, to take avenge for God. I can see it. I can picture it. If anyone out there makes movies, I'm available. So... Here, Phineas, he's the, the scripture says he's the son of Eliezer, who's the son of Aaron the priest. Aaron was a priest, so the way that it works, that meant that his son, Eliezer, was a priest. That meant that his son, Phineas, was a priest. That's how it worked. So if you were in the priesthood, you were born into the priesthood. That's how it worked in those days, okay? So here we have Phineas, who's a priest. Now, Aaron was a, Levit a Levitical priest. He was a Levite, which means he was a musician. That means Eliezer, his dad was a musician, and means Phineas was a musician too. Just some real basic background, because I don't want to talk about worship, but I want to talk about this. It meant that he was a Levite and he was a musician, yeah? And as a musician, they had a priestly duty in the temple. His duty was to play music in the temple, because he was a priest and because he was a Levite. Is that okay? Now, you've got to catch this. He's sitting in the congregation with Moses. That means he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing because he's not rostered on. Yeah? How do I know he's not rostered on? Because he's sitting out there. He's just sitting there listening to Moses share the heart of God. 
Yeah, because they had so many priests that they would be on one minute, off the next. They weren't on 24-7, all of them. They would work, rosters, on and off. So he's sitting in the congregation with all the others, hearing Moses speak, capturing God's heart, yeah? Now, that meant it wasn't his day to work in the temple. Simple. All of that to say, he's just one of us. He's just sitting there. It's not rostered on anything. It's not his day to work. He wasn't a somebody that day. Yeah? He wasn't a somebody that day. That day, he was just someone who wasn't rostered to work. He was just someone who was sitting in the congregation on his day off, listening to Moses share the heart of God. And here in the midst of the meeting, Moses is speaking. He's sharing God's heart. He's just sitting there like you and I, listening to it all. And as he's sitting there, Moses shares something that really disturbs him. Because verse 4 says, The Lord issued the following command to Moses, Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight, so his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, Each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in the worshipping Baal of Peril. Now that stirs Phineas in his heart. He's just sitting there in the congregation. And now someone who wasn't there walks in with the very thing that God has said he despises. And he walks in with a Midianite woman under his arm, straight into the tent where they can all see. Like, hello. That would be like if I, if I was extreme and I said, tea is terrible. We must execute everybody who drinks tea because it's not coffee. And then someone walked through that door with a cup of tea, I would hope someone would come to my vengeance, you know. I've just got to paint a picture so you understand how it's working here, you know. So here he is. He hears, hears what God dislikes. He hears what God orders. And someone walks through doing the exact thing that Moses was, was talking about. Now, I reckon if they were in the days of mobile phones, someone would have pressed the cricket app where you just hear the chirp of a cricket. Because I reckon as that guy walked in with a Midianite woman, everyone just turned. And they just, they're looking. And in their heads they're going, oh, how can you be so stupid and still breathe? And, but they're just, what? And some of them are looking to Moses like, what? Is he, is he really doing that? Now he's Phineas. As not a somebody. It's his rostered day off. He's just a someone in the congregation. But being stirred in his heart, knowing God's heart, he sees the very thing that God dislikes. And he jumps up on his day off, unrostered. No one gave him permission. No one gave him permission. Oh, my goodness. He gets up. He's got a spear. I don't even know where a musician gets a spear from. Like, did he break the end of a guitar and turn it? I don't know how he got a spear from. He gets up and it says he follows the man into his tent and he spears all the way through the man into the woman, woman's stomach. And the minute that he does that, this someone, not a somebody, God's whole anger changes. He stops the plague. He says, you know what? I was going to wipe everyone out because of all this. But because of that someone who actually heard my heart and on his day off got up to carry someone to the presence of God, 
and he did what I'd asked him to do, man, I'm going to love this nation. And in fact, he and all his descendants, they're going to be my priests forever. Wow. Man, there's a someone I want to be. See, obedience flows out of us. It flowed out of him. And so he does something about it. You know, there's another great quote by John Bevere from his book, um, God or Good. And it's, obedience is not about proving your love for God. It's simply what loving God looks like. I love that. You've got to get that. Obedience is not about proving your love for God. We don't have to do anything to prove our love for God. He did it all on the cross. Now we step into our sonship. It's simply what loving God looks like. And Phineas was so passionate, so obedient on his day off that it caused God to act. Why don't we stand? Can I have the worship team, maybe, keys? What's this all mean? It means you and I, you don't have to be a somebody. You just have to be a someone, yeah? It means you don't have to be a somebody. You just have to be a someone to carry the cripple. It means you don't have to be a somebody. You just have to be a someone to heal the cripple, yeah? It wasn't a somebody that carried the cripple. He was just a someone that was doing what he knew the Father would do. When Peter and John healed the cripple on their way to worship God, they were just someone. They were just someone that did what they knew the Father wanted them to do. So you and I, we don't have to be somebody. We just have to be someone. And God gave us all, all that we need to build His kingdom inside the church and outside the church. You don't have to have a title to serve God. Hear me. You don't have to have a title to serve God where you're at. I served God for 20 years of my life before I had a title pastor. You don't have to be an elder, a deacon, a minister, a priest. You don't have to be a somebody. You just have to be a someone who knows who you are and whose you are. You don't have to be rostered on to be a someone. You just have to do it. At work, in life, in church, everywhere, you just have to do it. I want to pray for people today. I want to pray that God will free you to be someone. And that God will release the need that we have because of culture and society to be somebody. Actually, Danny, can you sing the song that he's playing in the background? Just softly, like exactly like that. God wants to do a work in us, through us, for those around us. But we need to be free to be someone, yeah? So while the worship team sings, while, they, while you pray, the altar's open. If you're ready to be someone, 
I want to pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Bless you, God. with those that are coming up but if it's your time to be someone in your life then don't miss this opportunity I really feel like God wants to encourage He wants to bless, He wants to strengthen He wants to set free people in their minds and hearts so they can carry those that need to be carried to the temple gates so this is your moment this is your time Closer 
Touch me.